Today's School PR Drive Time is brought to you by Parent Square. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA. I'm Stacia Harris, a member of the NCSPRA media team, and I'm the director of communications for Buncombe County Schools. Joining me today as my co-host is Ellen Boyd. She's the executive director of NCSPRA. Hi, Ellen. Hey, how are you, Stacia? In today's episode, we are diving into the topic of great storytelling through great photos. Joining us is Tony Cunningham, Digital Communications Specialist at Durham Public Schools. Tony's photo is a 2022 and CSPRA Blue Ribbon Award winner and a 2022 Best of the Best winner in that category. The tips and tricks that we'll cover today are for those who use both a phone and a DSLR camera. We're talking composition, we're talking editing, we're talking technique. Lots to cover today. Let's start the show. Hello, Tony, and welcome to School PR Drive Time. First up, congratulations on being named a Best of the Best winner for your photograph, and we will link that photo and other samples in the show notes below. To start us off, can you please give us a little bit more about your professional background? Yes, so, um, of course, my name is Tony Cunningham. Uh, I started my photography journey uh, basically when I was in undergrad. Um, I basically had uh, a huge uh, uh, liking to uh, photography and videography, and I wanted to learn more about that uh, during my undergraduate year. So I graduated from North Carolina Central University uh, with a bachelor's degree in mass communication with a focus in broadcast media. Um, and from then on, I've been uh, doing a lot of portraiture work in the area, been all up and down the East Coast doing portrait work and kind of transitioned that work into uh, the school system. So I started out as a teacher, um, eventually uh, transitioned over to the, the uh, central office side of it um, and really uh, started using my gift um, as something to kind of give back uh, to the community, but also serve um, as a main storyteller, basically, for my district. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to do the work that I'm doing now. Excellent. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your winning photograph, which was called Heartfelt Haircut. And here's what the judge said about that photo. He said, this picture speaks a thousand words. I stared at it for a long while, wondering what the boy was thinking and wondering what his appearance was before the photo. That's the sign of a good photo. It pulls you into the life of the one captured. Well done. That's what the judge said. So, Tony, you obviously captured the wonder of that moment just in a fantastic way. So take us behind the scenes and kind of tell us the backstory of what was going on with that heartfelt haircut photo. Yeah, so uh, basically that day, um, I got a lead about uh, some barbers going to an elementary school in the area to uh, cut the hair of uh, some of the children that were at the school that needed haircuts for free. Um, so I decided, hey, let me go grab my camera. Uh, let me go out and see what's going on. Let's capture some photos and see if we can create a story out of that. Um, when I walked into the room, it was a bunch of kids in there, had two barbers, you know, cutting hair and stuff like that. Um, and as uh, they were cutting hair, I was having conversation with them asking, you know, do you know these kids? You know, you know, what's going on? The typical stuff. Um, and they knew the kids in the area, which was a plus. Um, and they began just pointing out different ones, talking about their stories and, you know, where they came from and, you know, the different things about them and some funny stories that came from it. Um, and the uh, the child that was actually in the photo 
uh, was one that wasn't too vocal. He didn't say too much, didn't express uh, too many emotions, things of that nature. He was just very mellow. Um, but once he got in the chair, the barber started interacting with him, you know, just playing around with him, having fun while he was, uh, you know, getting his hair cut and stuff to kind of, you know, bring some of that that joyous, uh, you know, thing out of him to to kind of help him uh, to break out of his shell a little bit. And once he got his haircut finished and he pulled the mirror up to his face, I immediately saw him light up and I ran across the room and I had to get I had to get that photo. Uh, so it was it was a, a very good photo because it it basically tells the story um, about the child that doesn't show too much emotion. But in that moment, when he saw himself in that mirror, his his whole demeanor changed. Uh, and, and that was, I guess you could say the award winning photo it was. Uh, but to me, it was award winning uh, for me because that was a moment that changed that child's life. It allowed that child to see themselves uh, as more than just you know, just them being who they are, but seeing themselves as a as a child uh, that is worth, uh, you know, all the looks, everything. Just it was just a good photo, um, and, and a lot of people liked it. We posted on social media and got a, a lot of good feedback. So yeah. Well, I'm curious uh, about the mechanics now that you've described it, because you talk about running across the room, but the the child is holding a mirror. So tell us about how you positioned yourself quickly enough to get a great shot but since he's holding the mirror making sure that you don't get yourself in the mirror you know just tell us how that worked yeah so that really came from experience uh this wasn't the first time that I uh took a photo that involved mirrors uh from my portrait background I use a lot of materials uh to kind of uh create some interesting photos and I immediately went back to a time where I used mirrors for a portrait job that I did and immediately thought okay this will be good uh, to kind of get his reaction through the mirror versus having the mirror in the way of his face or whatnot, uh, just basically creating layers through that photo, which well, I'll talk about later as far as layering your photos, uh, you know, having the aspect of the kids in the background, telling that story of, you know, the room being filled with children ready to get their hair cut, um, having the layer with the mirror uh, there with the child's face in focus and having the barber in the background with his small smirk, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, having the child, uh, also in that third layer with him blurred out and all that stuff, you know, those layers added uh, more to the story than just getting a general photo of him smiling. It, it did much more. Excellent. And tell us, um, I have a, a nerdy question and we'll get more nerdy uh, after the break, but uh, can you recall the lens and the camera that you used to get that shot? Yes. So I used the uh, Sony a7 II and I was shooting with what we call the nifty 50, 50 uh, millimeter F 1.8. So I shot that uh, that photo wide open with the uh, with the aperture wide open so that the focus will be more on the child uh, and everything else being blurred out. So that's what I use. So you mentioned uh, aperture and you mentioned uh, focal length. Let's go ahead and dive into um, how can someone be a better photographer? And I think uh, the first step is is understanding how to use aperture and focal length to tell a great story. But Tony, I'll let you take over. How do we become better photographers? Well, really, when it comes down uh, to photography, it's all about developing your storytelling at first, being able to uh, understand what uh, story you're trying to portray with your photography. Because with every picture, um, like we say, it's worth a thousand words. So what words do you want to uh, bring out from that photo, right? So uh, basically taking the time to figure out what elements create a good photo, um, you know, as far as framing, 
um, as far as the different aspects with leading lines and things of that nature, all these different things uh, that you can research about uh, composition with photography. But it's all about doing what you can to ensure that you're uh, creating that story with your photo. And once you uh, take the time to figure out um, how to do that, then your photography will become better over time. Um, it's not a, a day or night type of thing. It takes years. Um, I've been shooting for about eight years now. So uh, I've you know, put up a lot of shots, sort of say, um, in order to ensure that uh, my photography gets better over time. And Tony, tell us about how you find those stories. How, how do you, you know, go in and say, mm, that's that's the story I want to tell? Well, uh, it all starts with getting leads from the community, right? So um, leads from the community and also leads from uh, my colleagues. Um, a lot of times they say, hey, this event's going on. Uh, they may need some photography for it. And a lot of times I go out there and I basically immerse myself in the room. So when I walk in the room, um, I'm doing a, a a check of what's going on. I'm scanning the room. Okay, who's in the building? Uh, is it uh, teachers in the room um, or is our superintendent in the room? Because that could be two different things. Um, do we have um, uh, someone from another agency that's in the room? Do we have the governor in the room? You know, just scanning the room to see who's in there and who you want to shape your story around? Do we want to shape the story around the governor is in the room or do we want to shape the story around the governor's here to visit children uh, who are uh, being honored for something? Um, so that could be two different things. With, with the governor being in the room, it can be, okay, we want to focus on the governor being here versus, okay, the governor's here, but he's honoring these children and shaping the story around those children versus the governor. Um, so uh, just understanding what the event is and then from there on, uh, using the techniques that we learn uh, over time, well, well I, the techniques that I learned in order to craft um, the message and also take photos that will be uh, the hook, line, and sinker for uh, that story. So, yeah, I call it bait or like we <laughs> use in social media, the clickbait. <laughs> Great, Tony. You, and you, you started touching on this a little bit. Let's uh, dive into um, kind of the, the list of elements that uh, that you're looking for as you're trying to capture the, the moment in a compelling way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there are many key things um, that I do in order to to capture compelling images. The first thing I do is I basically uh, go in and think about the story that I'm trying to tell, but also what techniques I will use in order to tell that story in the best way. So uh, one of them that I use is uh, called layering. So I talked about layering before uh, where you uh, kind of basically stack up the photo in a way that will tell the multiple stories within a story. So for example, um, there's a photo um, that I used um, a few days ago from our Crown Act Week, uh, which is uh, in the photo that will be uh, shared here in a few, or be shared in the show notes about um, a photo where we're celebrating Crown Week at a high school, but instead of just taking a photo of a child uh, using the frame, I took a photo of someone else taking a photo. So it gives the idea of there being uh, some engagement going on. Not only is the child taking a photo, but someone else is acting with that child. Someone else um, is basically in communication with that child um, in order to show what's going on with that event. Also, um, I have another photo of UNC um, at one of our uh, one of our uh, elementary schools. They were visiting to basically uh, honor one of our teachers. And with that, instead of just going to a wall and telling the teacher and the principal to stand at the wall and take a picture, 
I took a picture with layers. So there's a layer in the background with the football players um, and their uh, their little uh, the spirit shakers or like the pom-poms, you know, shaking them, um, celebrating um, in the background. But also um, in front, there are kids doing the same thing. So not only is it showing that uh, the teacher and the principals being honored, but also the people that are celebrating them um, in that manner. Also, I use framing. Framing is basically uh, using the items around someone to kind of uh, give an idea and give focus of who the subject is in the photo. So, for example, um, in the folder, there's one that's called Lions Farm First Day of School. So this was a brand new school that we opened in the district this year. It was their first day uh, opening up to kids. And there's a photo of the principal being interviewed by several news platforms. And with that, I had the reporters as the frame, and I used the uh, principal in the middle of the uh, of the frame in order to bring focus, showing that uh, they're being interviewed. And you see all the lapels from all the different news platforms. He's holding uh, a mic from another news platform. And then you have the reporters with their cameras around him. So it, it puts focus on uh, the principal, but the frame uh, is showing that he's standing in front of a bunch of reporters. People on that are watching TV don't see that, but with that photo, you're able to get a sense of the environment because of the framing. Um, and also there's one more called Walking and Bike to School Day, uh, where the children made basically a bus um, out of some cardboard. And with that cardboard, there were little windows that they cut out. And one of the kids were looking through the window as they were carrying uh, the little bus that they made. So that framing kind of uh, focuses um, on the child that's carrying the bus. Um, and then there's some other ones that um, dealing with leading lines from a beam signing that we use using the lines uh, to kind of lead into the subject, which was our board member signing one of the beams. Uh, mo motion blur, which gives an idea of motion that's going on, uh, the excitement that's going on when the UNC players um, are honoring the teachers um, and the principals. So uh, there's some other examples uh, in, that in that folder that we're uh, referencing. And uh, there's some other um, elements that I use to kind of help with that. And I do have one quick follow. I'm sorry, I have one quick follow-up question. So, so we're talking about um, all these kind of high-level techniques. Wh what would you recommend, um, or what are your feelings on capturing this in the moment, or doing a little bit of, um, which is journalism, or doing a little bit of kind of staging and tweaking and sort of moving people around a little bit, which to me feels more like quote unquote marketing. Um, what is your, your outlook? Do you, do you catch it all kind of in the moment? Or do you ask people to say, stand a little to the right? Or maybe, you know, if someone is looking a little um, serious, do you ask them to kind of smile a little bit? Yeah, so it all depends. Um, in most cases, I'm the run and gun type of person that likes to go in and capture the moment as it is. Um, I always tell people uh, to not worry about, you know, don't worry about me when I walk into the door. Um, I'm capturing the moment around them. I'm not creating the moment. So I'm not telling people to move out of the way or things like that. I'm working around who's in the in the room um, and capturing the moment as organic as I possibly can. But there are moments to where uh, for marketing reasons, you have to make those changes and say, hey, uh, can I get you to stand in for this photo really quickly? Uh, you know, I want to, you know, uh, have a, a, a purpose behind uh, this photo is going to serve for this purpose. And this is what we need. Uh, but in most cases, it's really running gun and just uh, capturing the moment as it is. 
That's terrific. Well, Tony, I'm so old that back when I started in school PR, there literally were not digital pictures. But there was a piece of advice that I got from my mentor that I have never forgotten. And she said, film is cheap. Take lots of pictures and one of them will turn out. Well, now, of course, it's even easier to take lots of pictures. But what's your advice when it comes to this? And how many pictures do you usually take when you go to an event? Yeah, so the biggest thing uh, that I keep in mind um, is being intentional about your shots. Don't go in and, what, and do what we call spray and pray, where you're just pressing the button and hoping for the best. Uh, go in with intention. Uh, more intention will result in the less photos needed to tell that story. So um, that, that helps out with my numbers going into the numbers. So uh, depending on the event, I can take between 50 to 200 pictures for an event, uh, maybe an hour, hour and a half event. I'll get about between 50 and 200. Uh, but the most I will keep is about 25, which is crazy. Uh, I'm very, uh, very adamant about making sure that the best shots out of uh, that whole uh, role, if you say, because I'm not shooting on a roll, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, that whole role, um, it, the best of the best come out of that. Um, and even when I post on social media, out of that 25 that I cut down from the 200, I only use four to six. So basically picking out the best of the best within that um, and using that uh, to kind of um, serve as the clickbait or the bait uh, for the story that's going to come. Wonderful advice. Well, our conversation is just getting started. After the break, we are diving deep into the best gear and editing suggestions to take your own best of the best photo. Stay with us, everyone. It's about to get nerdy. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. It's not easy to engage every parent in their child's education, but it is essential for student success. ParentSquare is the only fully unified product that easily engages all families with school communications. With ParentSquare, every member of your school community, from the district administrator to the classroom teacher, can connect with families in one place. With two-way direct messages with real-time translation, mass communications, permission slips, appointment signups, and more. Everything needed to connect school to home is in one place, making it easy for every parent to be involved. ParentSquare, all of your family interactions in a simple, secure place. Visit ParentSquare.com for more information. Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. Tony Cunningham, Digital Communications Specialist at Durham Public Schools, is our guest today discussing the topic of visual storytelling. All right. And, you know, Stacia promised that we would get nerdy, and here we go. So, Tony, I want to start by asking you your stance on using a DSLR versus a smartphone to capture your photos. Yeah, so this is a very interesting topic that I talk about all the time. Uh, one quote that I use in this conversation is, all you have is all you need. If you don't have a DSLR and you have a smartphone and you're more comfortable with a smartphone versus a DSLR, use that smartphone. Um, it's not about the equipment that you have, uh, but the basic principles of photography that will carry you um, and help you along the way. Uh, so if your district doesn't have um, all the, the nice fancy equipment and all you have is smartphones, use that. Um, I'm most definitely for that. 
Uh, but for me, um, on the professional side, since I am a professional photographer, um, I like to shoot with what's called a mirrorless camera, which is the new form of the DSLR. It's basically a DSLR without the mirrors on the inside. So uh, DSLR stands for Digital Single Lens Reflex. Um, and basically, it uses mirrors on the inside of the camera in order to give you um, and an basically an image uh, before you take the actual photo. So it gives you an idea of what the photo would look like before. But with mirrorless cameras, you're looking at a screen versus mirrors in order to show you exactly what the photo is going to look like before you even take it. So it puts me at an advantage because I know if my exposure is too low um, or if it's too high, it shows me exactly what it's going to look like. Um, and I love that. Um, and it helps me along the way. So um, I prefer using um, a mirrorless camera or a mirrorless DSLR in a sense, uh, because I feel like I have much more control of my shot versus using a smartphone that's basically uh, going to use auto settings and, and all that stuff like that. I, I prefer to use the professional side. Well, actually, that's one of the follow-ups I was going to ask is, do you have advice if you are using a smartphone for settings that you should use or stay away from when you're using a smartphone? Yeah, um, basically, uh, for starters, just uh, go with the flow as far as how things are standard. Um, when it comes down to your phone, uh, some people are interested in going into the settings and all of that, so, you know, all those things to kind of uh, change the settings. There aren't many settings that are offered for uh, photographers when it comes down to the phone, uh, but you can mess with the exposure, making things lighter and darker and all that stuff like that. But I just advise for people to uh, just press the button and let the uh, the camera do the work with the smartphone, because once you start making changes, uh, then you go outside of uh, what is standard for a good exposure uh, with the with a phone camera. So early in my uh, amateur photography and videography career, and this is kind of it was, it was a tough lesson to learn. Um, but the lens choice to go along with your camera is a really important choice. I think, right. especially if you are in and out of schools where uh, you're, you could be in a, a darker classroom, or or you won't have a lot of control over the lighting uh, in your um, in the scene that you're trying to capture. Talk to me a little bit about just the importance of knowing which lenses go best with both the camera that you have and then the needs you anticipate as you're out in the field. Right. When it comes down to your needs in the field, it's all about making sure that you know uh, what elements you're going to face. If you know that you're going to face a lot of dark classrooms where teachers don't like to turn on their lights, you need to have um, a lens that has a wide aperture. When it comes down to, we'll, we'll talk in layman's terms, uh, when you look at the lens and it has the uh, the focal length where maybe 50 millimeters or like 70 to 200 meters, that's your focal length. But when you look at the F number, which is your aperture F 1.8, F 2.8, F 4, um, the lower the number, the higher the aperture, meaning uh, the more amount of light you will uh, be able to allow into the camera. More light means you're going to have uh, more of an opportunity to get a, a good exposure uh, without there being any grain and all that stuff that's dealing with, with uh, ISO and all that stuff like that. We won't go too deep, but with that, you want to make sure that you have a lens um, that has an f-stop number that is as low as possible. Now, the more that you open your lens as far as the, uh, the f-stop is concerned, as far as pricing, it gets more expensive. Uh, so uh, I advise if you are going to buy a lens or if your district is going to buy a lens, uh, buy one that at least has an aperture as wide as you can get it. 
Um, also, as far as focal length, which is uh, the zoom out, whether it's really wide, at, you know, 20 or 35 millimeters or something that's uh, uh, very far, uh, you know, 70 to 200 uh, millimeters, uh, you have to think about the situations you're in. So, for example, if you're always in big rooms um, and you're not able to move around too much, you need to get a zoom lens. Uh, but with me, um, I'm a type of person, I like to move around a lot. I have a prime lens, which is, um, it has a fixed focal length. So I'm not scared of going into classrooms and and uh, sitting in between desks, you know, telling kids, hey, excuse me, I need to get the shot right here. I, you know, they they know who I am at this point, so it doesn't matter to me. But I would love to have some zoom lenses, uh, maybe uh, have two bodies of 24 to 70 on one side and the 70 to 200 on the other side. That way, um, if I walk into any situation, I have what I need. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's all about making sure that you have the right glass. If I could ask, too, let's say there's somebody out there that typically has been using a smartphone because they don't have, you know, the, the equipment that you have. So do you have advice for a good piece of equipment that's not overly expensive, but that will really do the job for somebody that maybe wants to upgrade their equipment in their shop? Surprisingly, there are a lot of smartphone attachments that you can buy. Uh, there are smartphone um, lenses that you can buy um, to go on the outside of your uh, camera to actually help with zooming in and all that stuff um, and to kind of play around with the images. Uh, but if you want to transition uh, from a smartphone to a DSLR, um, I always say to go with the cheap one starting out um, and invest in your lenses more than your body. Uh, because with the lenses, that's what is really going to create the image. The body is really more so of the features of the, the uh, having the fast shutter, um, like you're shooting for sports or something like that. Um, that really doesn't matter with this type of photography. You want to make sure that you have good lenses uh, starting out. So I would start out with a basic camera. You can get good cameras now between $500 and $1,000 really easily and get a nice lens and you're good to go. Um, you don't have to spend four and $5,000 like I would for a camera. You don't need to do that. Uh, just make sure that you have something that you can start out with, especially if you're learning um, brand new um, as far as learning manual mode and all that stuff like that. Just start out with the basics and then move your way up as you go. And switching gears to talk a little bit about the post-production portion of this. Obviously, if mm -hmm. you're on a smartphone, you can do all that editing right in the phone and, and, and export it and you're good to go. Uh, mm -hmm. For editing your photographs, uh, whether you're taking JPEGs or whether you're shooting raw photos, that can impact certainly the kind of computer that you need, the kind of processing speed that you need, the kind of program that you need. And so I don't uh, we don't have to get too deep into that, but uh, generally, what is your um, editing process? How much editing do you do, and um, what software do you use? First off, I am an Adobe guy. I love Adobe products, so um, I use Adobe Lightroom Classic uh, for my photos. Of course, we have Adobe Lightroom that's available as well, um, but I started out with Lightroom Classic before there was an original Lightroom, sort of say, that we use now, so I just stuck with Lightroom Classic, and I was trained to use Lightroom Classic um, in undergrad, so that's that's really my jam. So I use Lightroom Classic, um, and even with those photos, especially with um, event photos, I actually have a preset that I created for my photos. That way, um, when I post them online, they all look pretty much uniform as far as look. Um, I like to tweak things here and there, depending on if I, you know, shot a little underexposed or or things of that nature. Uh, but I created a preset because there's so many other things that I have to do outside of editing photos. So uh, I just use that preset tweak as needed, and then I uh, send the photos off or post them. 
Um, and it's pretty simple from there. Uh, but when it comes to portraits that I have more time with, a lot of times I take pictures for uh, if we're honoring a teacher of the year or something like that, or we're taking pictures to uh, highlight someone in the district. I'll use Lightroom Classic, but also um, I actually do some touching up in Photoshop. Uh, so sometimes uh, you may have someone uh, that may, for example, be holding up a trophy and I didn't catch the fact that they were holding the glass trophy backwards. I go into Photoshop <laughs> and I'll flip that around. I had to do that a couple of days ago. I didn't realize that someone was holding the glass trophy backwards. I go in and fix that. A lot of the ladies are adamant about making sure that their photos look good and the details um, are good. So let's say, for example, you have someone that got their nails done three weeks ago and they need a little filling. And I'll go into Photoshop. I'll fill those nails in a little bit. You know, little things like that go a long way. Um, and people appreciate those things because they're being seen by thousands of people on social media um, and on our website. So we want to make sure that those little small things um, are, are done uh, to, to help these folks out. So, so yeah, I use uh, Photoshop, Lightroom, Classic, and uh, Adobe Photoshop. Terrific. And so, Tony, to sort of to wrap things up, what advice would you have for folks who want to make sure that they're not only taking great pictures on the front end, but also sharing the best version of those pictures uh, through the editing process on the back end? What I've always been taught and what I live by is making sure that you get the photo right in camera the first time. If you get the photo right in the camera the first time, you won't have to go back and do a lot of editing. Um, that saves you time uh, to do other things, because especially with us working in PR, um, the school PR, there's a lot of other things that can come about. Uh, there could be an emergency with the school and you have to pull away from what you're doing, but you also have deadlines with that photo that you have to make. So you want to make sure that you get the photo right uh, the first time. And don't tell, uh, don't take on too many edits. Um, a lot of people love to go in and make photos look interesting and stuff like that. Uh, we're not shooting for a magazine. We're shooting for a school system. So we want to make sure that uh, things look good, uh, but don't take too much editing on. We want to make sure that the story is being told, but also the photo is not a distraction for the story. We want the story to uh, stand out more uh, than the actual photo is. Like I said, we want the photo to be the clickbait. We don't want it to be a distraction. So make sure that you're moderate about your editing, uh, but edit when need be. Well, wonderful advice, and we will leave it there. What a wonderful conversation we have had about perfecting your visual storytelling. Thank you to Tony Cunningham, Digital Communications Specialist at Durham Public Schools. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. And thank you for being a part of this engaging and enlightening conversation. Please take a moment to rate this podcast with five stars, and please take a moment to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends. This helps us make sure School PR Drive Time remains a relevant and helpful tool for school PR practitioners everywhere. Thanks to Parent Square for their support of this episode of School PR Drive Time.